This is 128 Bits, a podcast about the most influential period of video games, what is known as the sixth generation, the Dreamcast, PS2, GameCube, and Xbox era. On every episode, we will discuss one standout title from the generation and talk about its greatness, including its critical reception at the time, our favorite and least favorite things, its legacy, and what it would look like today. Today, I'm joined by Joseph, and we're going to talk about one of the most pleasant console games of all time, <laughs> Animal Crossing. So uh, first of all, how are you, Joseph? I'm doing well. Yeah, same here. Did you play Animal Crossing on the GameCube back in the day? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't play it a whole lot, or I didn't play it as much as I do now, especially <laughs> given the situation when Animal Crossing came out. Right, uh, given that we were just going into quarantine. Yeah, um, so I definitely put more, put much more time into it now than I ever did way back in the day. But yeah, I played it back then too. I actually played Animal Crossing a lot. Like, I was remembering it's probably one of my most played uh, GameCube games like ever, and it's yeah. also a game that I played a lot with my sister. Like, my sister played it so much. It's the one game that she played a lot. And uh, this and, like, Guitar Hero and Karaoke Revolution were, like, the games she played the most of the era. <laughs> but Animal Crossing, like, there was a point where I would say she played it more than I did, which is which is a fond memory about it. So let's get into it. Animal Crossing was released on the Nintendo GameCube in North America on September 16th of the year 2002. And it was not because of Mexican Independence Day. <laughs> uh, it was just released that day. It's called a life simulation game, which is to say there's no set goals or, or levels. The game is open-ended with the player being able to own a home, collect stuff, expand their home, meet their neighbors, write angry letters to them, dig up fossils, go fishing, etc. The game was developed by one of Nintendo's premier in-house development studios, Nintendo EAD, or Entertainment Analysis and Development, a.k.a. Miyamoto Studio. It's the studio that does Mario and Zelda and Mario Kart and the crucially underrated Nintendogs. Um, <laughs> Animal Crossing started off as an N64 game and in fact was released as one a year earlier in Japan, but the GameCube version is an enhanced version of the original N64 game. It was first shown to American audiences at E3 2001 as a six-second trailer, which had the title Animal Forest. And I actually remember seeing it in GamePro magazine as Animal Forest, like way back in the year 2000 or something like that. Um, however, at the following year's E3, Nintendo showed it off again, but this time it was an extended video and with the title Animal Crossing. One of the biggest features of the game, and the reason why it works so much better on the GameCube than on the N64, is that the game runs in real time. The GameCube has an internal clock, and the N64 didn't. So what does the game running in real time mean? It means that when it's a Tuesday in real life, it's a Tuesday in the game, and it's at the same time too, which is a big difference from other life simulation games like The Sims or Harvest Moon. It also means that real-life events and holidays happen in the game. And these holidays actually presented a large challenge to the localization team, which worked really hard to create Western holidays and objects related to those holidays. In addition to translating so much text that the North American version ended up with way more text than the Japanese one. So in terms of like gameplay, like I said, there's actually no story, but the game starts off with the player riding a train into town and upon arrival meeting Tom Nook. 
landlord and capitalist overlord of the Animal Crossing world. <laughs> He's a tanuki uh, who gives the player their first house and from then on offers expansion after expansion, constantly holding the player under the yoke of debt. This The ways to make money include either fishing or catching bugs, collecting fruit, collecting seashells or fossils, and then selling them to Tom Nook. I'm talking a little spicy about the whole capitalistic thing, uh, but actually expanding your home and decorating it with furniture was actually really fun and still is really fun uh, <laughs> since you could customize the wallpaper and floor as well as having all kinds of themes for your furniture. Um, and you could even display like the animals that you caught. I used to have a room just for fish and in the current Animal Crossing, I still like to just display my fish in a room. <laughs> um, the village and the game is also populated by anthropomorphic animals that speak some made-up language that sounds like gibberish at a high speed and pitch shifted to sound really cute. Um, at first, you can have six neighbors, but you can have up to 15 on the island, and each animal has their own personality, dialogue, and style. There's a total of 320 possible villagers that exist, so each player had a whole different world. For example, there's Bob, who is a pink cat with a lazy personality, or Cleo, who is a female horse with a snooty personality, or Tank, the male rhino with a jock personality. <laughs> you would build friendships with your neighbors, and they would even entrust you to give them their catchphrase, which is one of my favorite things in the game. To this day, I give them the same catchphrase whenever they ask me, and that is Poopsmith. In uh, reference to the old Homestar Runner cartoon. <laughs> so you have cute little animals calling each other Poopsmith at the end. Uh, and it's very funny for me. So in addition to the AI neighbors, up to four human players could have a house on the same island in the GameCube version. And uh, other characters in the game included Mayor Tortimer, Blathers, who is an owl that runs the museum and would take donations of fossils, bug, fish, and paintings to populate the museum, the Abel sisters, which are two hedgehog sisters that sell clothes. Joan, which sells turnips on Sunday morning and you could use to speculate and make a bunch of money. Pelly and Phyllis, the post office pelican clerks. Uh, my favorite was uh, Grumpy Mr. Rossetti, which is a groundhog that yells at you when you don't save before turning <laughs> off the GameCube. And of course, K.K. Slider, who is a hipster musician dog that shows up on the weekends to sing songs. Animal Crossing back then is very similar to Animal Crossing now, which really highlights how basic the formula for the game is. It's all about relaxing, taking it slow, collecting, and most importantly, taking time to enjoy things. But there's a lot of intentionality put into the characters and events, and the little things really make all the difference in this game. In terms of critical reception, Animal Crossing did pretty good with the critics like it has an 87 metacritic score out of 42 critics um the highest review came from game informer who gave it a 95 and said it's like a simple sims but a lot of fun i swear um i don't know who was holding a gun to this guy's head when he wrote that but you don't have to swear dude it's a video game review it's fine <laughs> um ign gave it a 91 because it's, it's so cute he's like trust me it's good just play it Trust me, guys. I'm not. I'm not a little kid. Uh, that's probably what he <laughs> yeah, meant to that's say. What it was. Um, IGN gave it a 91, highlighting how the inclusion of the Game Boy Advance connectivity is absolutely brilliant, which I don't really get because I mean, connecting the Game Boy Advance gave you an extra island. But I mean, <laughs> sure. 
Uh, there's a website called GameZone that gave it a 90 and said something which I agree with that it's, uh, it's a beautifully designed game that appeals to all ages and offers great opportunities for co-op play between family and friends, which is, I think, a highly underrated aspect of this game to this day. Um, GamePro called it charming and said you could play Animal Crossing 30 minutes a day every day for a year and not discover everything the game has to offer. Uh, the most negative review came from my second favorite video game magazine of the era, Play Magazine, uh, which I, I actually generally love, but they gave it a 70 and said it's not for everyone and that it seems tailor-made for the younger set. Kind of going back to the Game Informer guy, probably that was a big sentiment <laughs> with this game. It's just like, is it for kids? Why are there so many cute animals? Why can't you kill anything? <laughs> um, <laughs> Entertainment Weekly also gave it a baddish review and said that it crawls along too slowly to have the legs of a Sims-like blockbuster. Um, Award-wise, it won uh, GameSpot's most innovative game of 2002, and it got the Game Developer's Choice Innovation Award, but it didn't win any Game of the Years or anything like that. And it's fine because in 2002 is when Metroid Prime came out for the GameCube also, so yeah, it was pretty much Metroid Prime. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in terms of sales, Animal Crossing sold 2.32 million copies worldwide, which is amazing. It's really, really good. In the USA, by 2005, it had made $43 million, and it ended up being the sixth best-selling GameCube game of all time. So, yeah, it sold really well. It was a hit the GameCube sorely needed, especially as a differentiator to other consoles, which is what first party titles are supposed to be right like this was an exclusive and it sold really well and um it it moved gamecubes to a certain extent not as much as halo did for the xbox but yeah it's like i know people that bought a gamecube for animal crossing here's some behind the scenes or trivia and i couldn't really find a lot about it i don't know like i tried to i did a, i went to all sorts of wikis i went to old websites i went to forums and i really couldn't find that much I guess it's because, I mean, the big thing that everyone always talks about was like, this was originally an N64 game, but yeah, we already knew that. <laughs> um, I think something that's interesting is that the game came with an included memory card because the save took 59 blocks of memory, which was the size of a basic memory card back then. Um, and also this reminded me of um, talking about memory cards in terms of blocks and not of like size. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Nowadays, it's just like how nobody's like, oh, the Red Dead Redemption 2 takes 200 blocks. <laughs> just like it's 500 gigs, right? It's yeah, like an it's actual, actual size. size. So I don't know what 59 blocks, but it's probably something in the megabytes range because the PS2 memory card was 8 megabytes, if I remember correctly. So I think so, yeah. Yeah, it was probably like around there. Another fun fact is that Blockbuster, the uh, the franchise of video rental places, leaked the game a whole week early Uh all over the United States. And I remember reading about this and it's just like, you could just go to Blockbuster and rent it now because they did not respect any of the, uh, any of the dates that Nintendo set or anything like that. So uh, this, that was the, the beginning of their downfall. Probably. That's when, when they, they wrong the Nintendo. Too powerful. <laughs> they got too powerful. Too confident. <laughs> uh, another fun fact is that the United States localization was so good that Nintendo released a version with all the added items and holidays that the localization team worked on 
back to Japanese later on as an enhanced version. And uh, this localization was headed by Nate Bildorf and Rich Amtower, who still work on localization for these games as Nintendo Treehouse. And uh, Nate, or Nintendo Nate, as he's known, actually went viral a couple of years ago. I don't know if you remember when um, uh, Legend of Zelda on the Switch won all those awards and uh, he kept going up to receive awards and he was like giving all of these speeches, thanking everyone and all these other things. He kind of like was famous online for a, for a couple of hours <laughs> at that time. I also tried to get a hold of Nate Bildorf on, uh, to try and get him on the show, but he uh, didn't answer, which I bet you're regretting now, Nate. <laughs> no. Um, another fun fact is that there were 17 NES titles that were emulated in the video game. And I thought that was pretty cool because up until this point, emulation was kind of seen as like a bad thing altogether. Like, uh, but this was Nintendo emulating their titles on the GameCube for their own game. And that was just, that was just kind of weird, but it was cool that you could get those in the game. And actually that's the first time that I played Excite Bike. I was on <laughs> Animal Crossing NES and it was, uh, yeah, it was really fun. Did you find anything uh, when you were doing your research, Joe? No, um, no, nothing that I could really bring to the table of the of the emulation, or I guess staying on that note for a second. I think there was one, and I haven't like backed this up, but I saw at least I saw it in a couple of different places. Um, there was one of the you know the Nintendos that you see that have the game on it. Yeah, the one that you actually play. One of them didn't have a game, and apparently it was meant to be like some sort of expansion. You could put um, Nintendo ROMs on there and Ooh. play them in game, but since Nintendo never released any ROMs, they never like it. Never got it was something that just never got finished, basically. Oh, cool! So it was like a generic emulator that you could load yeah. ROMs in. Oh, that would have been really cool. Yeah, right. I wish I could have played like Ninja Gaiden on there. Um, <laughs> I still have not beat Ninja Gaiden, and I probably never will. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get into our questions and. Uh, the first question is, what is your favorite thing about this game? Uh, so what's your favorite thing, Joe? Um, I don't know if it's the right descriptor, and it feels weird to say it like as a video game, but it's earnestness. Mm. Um, it's cute animals, uh, <laughs> but they're people and they have personalities yeah. and birthdays. Like, but they're not all. But it's not like they're like Disney characters who are like always perfect and stuff like that. Like, or say the cutest things. Like sometimes they're rude, and Tom <laughs> Nook's business ethics are super questionable. <laughs> like, it's just. It's a cool little world that they have. It's just the like, just, just like with GTA, in almost the exact opposite terms of style. <laughs> it's the world that they built, but like this one is just so cute and like like just a far uh, from the like other stuff at the time. I guess it's it's different from the other from the other stuff at the time. Is maybe the what it boils down to really. Yeah, I think it's it's cool that you mentioned that because that is a really cool aspect of the citizens that live there is that you get to see them be angry, you get to see them be happy, um, and they show it, right? Because they have like little animations above them yeah. or the way they speak and things like that. So there is like, it's they're not just like flat characters. There is some depth to them. And it's it, that is um, that is really cool and, and really fun and a big differentiator in that. And in creating that world, um, I think for me, my favorite thing about it is that it's just pleasant. Um, 
like like you said the cutesy aspect of it is is there but there's no there's no pushing mechanism like you know what i mean like you can just take it slow there were days where i would just fish all day right <sighs> um there was days where i would just rearrange my furniture or go walk around and pull weeds right because i hadn't pulled weeds in forever um <laughs> things like that that it's just like there was no other game like that happening and Another thing is that grounding it in real time to me is what served as the key for having that pleasantness because it's just like you could get on like Harvest Moon and work for like four days, right? Quote, unquote, like just kind of like make the days go by faster or something like yeah. that. And here, I mean, you could, there's always been people that exploit the time traveling aspect of it, but if you didn't, you could just go online for 30 minutes and you were just there for 30 minutes. Like you could just play for 30 minutes and that was it and leave. And that world would follow the same pace as you. Um, and it was just low stakes seems like a bad thing, but it actually was low stakes. And that's what I enjoyed about it the most. <laughs> um, just like, yeah, it's it's my house. It's my fish. It's my whatever. Like, it's not like I have to beat this game. There is no yeah. beating it. Um, so, I mean, you, the way you get the credits was by listening to a song by KK Slider. Right? It's just like that's the only way, and it's just like it. It was there was a nice um, pleasantness to this game that no other game of the era had for me, and to this day, very few games actually have. Like it's it's a pleasant escape. That's my favorite thing about this game for me. It's the Paddington movies of video games. <laughs> Yeah, totally. It, it totally is. Um, there should be a Paddington character. <laughs> uh, the second question, what is the standout moment of this video game for you, Joe? I tried, like, as, as much as I tried there, I couldn't think of one. And I think, like, <laughs> with the way that it is, like, it's a like, it's, it's a life simulator. Like, it's boring daily tasks that you, that you go do through. Um, and it's not... I like boring is the wrong descriptor, but they're just not like, it's not exciting. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't any like standout moment that I could really think of. The only really thing that I could, that stuck with me, um, is in the, in the GTA episode, we talked about like moments where we felt bad about things that we did in video games. <laughs> yeah. And like, it wasn't necessarily like a moment where I felt bad or like regret, but it was like, it was like the, the, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. The feeling that you get as a reset, like receiving that, it gave me that like, Oh, I fucked up kind of thing when you mess with the system time and uh, what's his name comes and yells at you. Yeah. Rossetti. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh man, like, yeah, fine. I shouldn't have done that. I just didn't want to wait. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I agree with you that it's like, I don't think it's a bad thing to call it boring because it, it can be because that's that's the whole point of it. But I I just call it pleasant. Yeah. Um, for me, the standout moment has to do with like something extra game, but that the game provided. And it's actually playing it with my sister. So this is the only game that I uh, that I can say that I played with my younger sister like consistently all the time. Um, we would get in arguments because I was hogging the GameCube for too long, right? And the GameCube was in my room and stuff like that. Or I would get angry because I would walk into my room and there she was playing Animal Crossing, right? When I couldn't be playing or something like that. Um, and we had a, a fun competition in the game. So to this day, like uh, the museum is populated by 
fish that you catch or bugs that you catch and stuff like that. And our competition was who had the most donations to the museum. So, <laughs> so we would like boast and brag about oh i caught this fish you don't even have that fish do you and it's like what was it the freshwater goby or whatever it was or that was one of the big ones um so we'd compete on who who was more philanthropic in our uh endeavors <laughs> and that was really really fun or i would go in her like um uh, see her house and stuff like that in the same city yeah so that's the thing that you could do in the gamecube one which is you could have four players in the same uh town and uh, you guys had the same neighbors, the same museum, same store. So sometimes I would buy stuff that she couldn't, that she wanted so that I wouldn't, so that she wouldn't have it and stuff like that. Um, and that's just because you were on the same memory card though, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And uh, it was, so I had like a big memory card with 251 blocks, which was the black <laughs> one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I rem that was so fun to me. And it's something that I really, really look back fondly on. Um, just having the, or we would compete about who would get what song from KK. Um, that's the other one <laughs> didn't get. There was times where I wouldn't log on on Saturday and she would, and she got the song and stuff like that. So um, that's something that this game provided because it was so accessible, because it was so pleasant, because you couldn't die and things like that, where uh, like my sister who wouldn't play video games really, really enjoyed playing this one and would actually play it more than I would, right? At certain stretches and uh, would do cool things in it that I would then copy and things like that. Or uh, our neighbors liked them better, liked her better than they liked me. <laughs> Stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like she was nicer to them and things like that. So <laughs> Sure, you were hitting them with a net. <laughs> yeah. So it was super fun. Um, that That's my fondest memory of this game. That's the standout moment. At one point, uh, we made a character for our mom also, and she probably played it like a week, but um, yeah, she was, she was there and like just the ability to even have her, that's the first video game she ever touched since like the NES days. Right. And uh, it was just really cool. And I think that's something that Animal Crossing did for a lot of people also um, because there, there's like commercials about it to this day, right. Of like mom and dad, let's go, let, mom and daughter, let's go play uh, Animal Crossing on our switches and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, that that was so fun. I remember the freshwater goby. I think was a big one that she got <laughs> when I didn't, and I just remember trying to donate it and like Blathers being, we already have it, and I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's my standout moment for sure. Yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, it's crazy just what this game has done. I actually know a buddy of mine who met his husband on on the, the Wii version of this game. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's crazy. It's so pleasant and nice, and it just, I don't know. It, it, it's a, it opens the door for communication in, in ways that other games don't, because now you have something to, to share about and talk about. And it's not like KD ratios, right? Or something like that, yeah. which is which is really cool and really fun. Um, let's move on to our third question. And uh, what do you think is the worst part of this game, Joseph? Um, it's funny because it was actually my favorite part of Fantasy Star. And these are both like online stuff. But the sound, I really, I don't know if it's the pitch or the tone <laughs> or the prevalence of them in the mix, but I just hate a lot of the no, the menu noises in here. Mm. And you spend a lot of time in menus in this one too. Mm -hmm. um, and I almost forgot about it for a while until I had played New Horizons. Because I think 
the game i played the gamecube one a little bit i play like pocket camp but i don't play with any sound on there because i'm listening <laughs> to stuff all the time yeah. so but like and the one on new horizons are the same sounds they're just upgraded versions of them so like they sound a little more high quality but they still drive me crazy i had to turn all <laughs> the, the effects all the way down um yeah i don't know what it is about them but they just like it just grinds against my ear and i do not like the pitch of the sound in this game personally i think for this one it's probably because it was originally an n64 game right and the n64 like cartridge based games notoriously had bad sound or worse sound yeah. than like optical disc based ones so maybe they just ported them over and didn't really remaster them or anything like that like <laughs> they still have the same compression and things like that um I don't think I have a worst part of this game. Like maybe the lack of structure because it's like very <laughs> existential, right? It's just like, yeah. what do I do in this world? Same thing I do in the real world. Just try and figure it out. <laughs> so it's like, so that can be it a little, super yeah, that can be a little uh, crushing. Um, just, but yeah, I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I, I think there's like, it's the best part of the game, but it's something that I know some people need structure in their video games or like a mission or a goal or something like that. Mm-hmm. And all those goals and missions have to come from from yourself um, in, in when you're playing Animal Crossing because it really doesn't have any. It just yeah. kind of wants to you to exist, um, <laughs> which can be bad for some people, not for me but I can see how it is and I can see how I described it as something as something I mean, bad. You'd be surprised too. There was people like when New Horizons came out that I that I was told that I was playing this and they're like, oh, why? And then, this, so there was one person that I did not expect would like it at all. He ended up picking it up and he put way more time in the game than I did. Mm. Like I'd, I'd go to his house and be like, what the hell? Like how did you get this already? <laughs> and you got this like, yeah. man, how much time are you putting in here? Yeah. I, I I think that's part of the appeal too because I know my sister liked it because there was nothing like there was no missions because the game wasn't telling you what to do because it allowed you to discover things on your own right um yeah. so yeah I don't think this game had a worse part I think it was like a very well conceived game and um, executed very well and it knew what it was and it did it perfectly and it's just a, a really really good game fourth question how did the game age what parts of it age the best and the worst aside from the graphics what do you think joe uh it's super simple so i think it like i think because of that has allowed it to age really well Mm. um i mean obviously they've made like better design design decisions later like not having to go to each item and sell it item by item you can (laughs) select multiple ones now Um, but that was just like stuff that they couldn't have really thought about as they were going through the design um especially for their their initial release Mm. um but like it's mostly the same game like i played it then i played on my phone for a long time i have it on the switch now like it's it's obviously aged really well considering i'm still playing what is essentially (laughs) the same game yeah i i yeah i think you nailed it i i also agree that like the gameplay aspects of it aged perfectly because the switch version is essentially the same game it just looks better it has a little bit of extra features you can chop down trees now which you couldn't back then right um but it's essentially the same game the the design the premise of it the internal clock 
the donating to the museum, the the only thing that they don't have now that they had back then is the ability to have multiple human players on the same island, right? Um, mm. Well, you can, but you got to do go about it in a different way and they have different rights and things like that, right? <laughs> like only one of them is the island representative, which is kind of weird. But um, yeah, I like the design, the conceit of the game was so well done that every other game that came afterwards is essentially the same game. Mm. Uh, be it on the 3DS, on the Wii, on the Switch, it's it's Animal Crossing. And they got it right from the get-go. Um, yeah, but anything that aged badly is, is just like those little annoyances, like not having the ability to select more than one item, right? Yeah. Or uh, to this day... I think the thing that's aged the worst is that there are still way too many sea bass in the Animal Crossing oceans. <laughs> I don't think there is that many sea bass in the real world. Yet Animal Crossing, the oceans are teeming with them. They are more prevalent than water. It's just like there is more sea bass than ocean. <laughs> I mean... In the designer's defense, we've never really lived close to the ocean, so we don't know. Rob. <laughs> <laughs> the that ocean is true. around them is all sea bass. That is that is true, but oh man, that is that was annoying <laughs> then. It's annoying now. Um, you know, it's also cool. The price for the fish has remained consistent throughout. Like uh, red snappers were three thousand bells in the GameCube version, and they're three thousand bells in the Switch version. <laughs> I know, I've known since back then. You get the red snapper, and then you're good to go. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the same game, and it's it's a testament to how well designed it is. It's a testament to to Nintendo's work. I mean, this started off as an N sixty four game, and it's now a Switch game, and it's the same game because there's still room for it now. Um, and it's aged perfectly. I think it's one of the few games that, like, not looking at the graphics, the concept of it is as good in 2020 as it was in the year 2000. Yeah. The fifth question, what is the legacy of this game? What do you think, Joe? The only thing that I could really think of was the, um, like, we've been talking about it with a lot of other games in this generation too, but the broadening, the further broadening of video game audiences, um, like there's just so many people that can pick up this game or like you have, as you've talked about, like your mom and your sister playing it. Like I think about it even now, my son doesn't play very many games cause he's just not like the most coordinated right now. He's still, <laughs> he's still really little, <laughs> but, um, he saw that I was playing Animal Crossing on Switch and then we got it on his iPad. And or I think he downloaded it on his iPad or he had his mom download it on his iPad or something like that. And I saw that he was playing with it or I heard him what it was. He was like, oh, I'm going to go over to this guy. and like, oh, what do you want? You want apples? I was like, what the hell? So I went over to his iPad. Like, I was like, that kind of sounds like he's playing Animal Crossing. I went over and he's playing Pocket Camp. And I was like, oh, cool. I like, But it was like the way that he was talking to it, it was just kind of weird too. Uh, or not weird, but like it's just not normal game. Um, I guess interaction. Yeah. And so like being able to broaden broaden audiences and have it from like a range of a five year old to like I don't want to uh, put your mom on blast here, but like your mom <laughs> when she was uh, as an older lady there, yeah, like yeah. have that kind of a an audience range is is awesome. Yeah, I th I think that that nails it. 
that I think it was Animal Crossing is liked by a lot of people that usually don't play video games or it offers an entry point to video games that the types of people um, that traditionally don't play video games would. And Nintendo specifically boasts about how many women play this game as opposed to others. Like they talk about how 52% of Nintendo 3DS players were women and many women bought 3DS specifically for Animal Crossing New Leaf and stuff like that. So from the from the beginning, that was something that resulted from this, from Animal Crossing, right? And uh, yeah, I think it's it's really cool because this is so my wife also doesn't play a lot of video games but i'll talk with her about stuff that happens in video games and it's this one like animal crossing and civilization where i talk to her about it and every once in a while she's like it sounds like you're talking about real people because <laughs> i'll tell her like oh i got uh jeremiah was walking around and he was running through the through like the town, like, uh, he looks so funny running and look at him and look, he's singing and stuff like that. Right. And she's like, it sounds like you're talking about real people, but you're playing with like <laughs> a, an AI. Right? Yeah. Uh, same thing with civilization. But I think that's one thing that you said. It's like, it changes the, the way we talk about video games because it's, uh, it's an entirely different, um, video game. And I think a big legacy of it too, is that, that, um, concept of like slowing down, right? Like you can't, speed run animal crossing <laughs> um <laughs> because it just that's not what this game is about it's about just doing things as they come and the fact that like the characters have their own birthdays and there's different holidays and events and seasons in the game right where certain animals are only around like you can't catch sharks in the winter or something like that or there's certain insects that only come around in in the spring or in the fall and all of these things are just like they kind of ground you in real time, which um, as much as video games function as escapism, this is like a little bit more grounded where it's not a total removal from reality. It's just like a transportation to like a nicer, more pleasant reality <laughs> where things yeah. aren't so high stakes, right? Where you can take time to go to the museum or go to the coffee shop and listen to a dog sing on his guitar. <laughs> <laughs> um, you don't have to gather your poles in your tackle box and yeah. get a fishing license and get in the car and go fishing. Like you can just sit on your back porch or sit in your on your couch and just <laughs> go fishing with like this relaxing music yeah. and catch virtual fish. Yeah, I, I I think that's that's ultimately the legacy of this game is the the niceness of it. The just yeah, and and that is what opens the door to so many different types of people playing it and interacting with it. And yeah, a recurring theme throughout all of these games or most of these games is just how in this era, video games were kind of growing into this behemoth that swallows up all kinds of people, right? And whereas GTA 3 went the route of like people who really like crime movies and adult themes or whatever, um, Animal Crossing kind of took covering the people who don't really like video games and are more into gardening or are more into like slowing down. And you get what I mean? It's just like, it's, it's different, but it's the same in that right now we can really see how games are growing beyond the nerd fan base that they had before or the geeky fan base that they had before. And they approach something where, where anyone can play. And there's a flavor for you. If whatever you're into, there is a game for it. And, uh, Animal Crossing was that type of like 
nice mindfulness meditative yoga side and the other side was like the i don't know like the mobster movie side and things like that <laughs> the jock side and the yeah. yoga side right the sixth question is this the peak of any studio or generation what do you think joe uh i don't think it's necessarily a peak but like of anything other than like niche nintendo because <laughs> um, like i mean obviously newer animal crossing games are are better than yeah. like nintendo just other nintendo games are better like metroid or like wind waker even at the time mm-hmm. um but it's just one of those franchises that we love and like we'll keep coming back to so i guess in a like i don't know that it's a peak but it's definitely one of if it's the peak but it's definitely one of the high points of the um of the generation it kicked off like this this franchise that we love yeah yeah i don't think it's definitely not the best animal crossing game um because the newest one is the the new horizons uh i would say maybe it's the peak n64 port (laughs) (laughs) because this was an n64 game uh but yeah i don't really think it's the peak of anything else it started off um Animal Crossing, it started off like Nintendo kind of being, um, I wouldn't even say it It started it, maybe it did, with Nintendo being like the quote unquote family friendly one of the of the Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo console war battle thing. Um, Animal Crossing did uh, help in that whole image of Nintendo as the kitty console, right? Which I don't see it as a bad thing, but back then it definitely was a bad thing. But yeah, I don't think it was the peak of anything. Uh, maybe the best lifestyle sim game of the generation. <laughs> um, because the other ones were The Sims, in which uh, you could commit atrocities like burn your house down. <laughs> you couldn't do that here. Um, there was a Harvest Moon for the PS2 that I didn't really play. Um, I played it more on the PlayStation 1. But yeah, maybe. I don't. Yeah, it's not a peak of anything. I'm trying. I love Animal Crossing. It's a really good game, but. Yeah, I don't think it represents the peak of anything. Definitely the beginning, though. Um, yeah. And the seventh and final question. How would this game work, look like in 2020? Um, I think it's more Pocket Camp than New Horizons, to be honest. Hmm. So, I mean, obviously, other than in 2020, we got New Horizons. <laughs> um, like, that, that's what it is in 2020. Uh, but I think the future of this game is way more pocket camp than New Horizons. Like it's a mobile game where you like build stuff slowly and there's events and you can it's more like Second Life that where you can have kind of like your own way to personalize stuff. Hmm. Um, I mean, how many mobile games are like these tappers where I have one on my phone that's like Disneyland and you get like new attractions and stuff like that. So like the one where you can keep it on a device that's going to keep going with you from or a a save file per se that is going to keep going with you from device to device. Like I'm going to keep my phone back up as much as I can, basically. <laughs> um, as opposed to like when another uh, Nintendo console comes out, the stuff from my new horizons isn't going to go over there. Yeah. So I, that's why I think it's going to be more like something that's, that you're going to keep with you than anything. Yeah. I think overall the, the big thing with animal crossing is that as games were getting faster and bigger and whatever, this kind of, brought it down to a local type of just worry about your village type thing. Um, And I don't know what that looks like in 2020. Maybe it is something like 
uh, local on your phone or something. But I, I feel like Animal Crossing took this big world of like expansion, like as technology was expanding and the internet was getting crazier and more open and you could play with other people that you had never met in person. And Animal Crossing was kind of like, just check out these 15 people, villagers that can live with you and worry about their houses and send them letters and, and stuff like that. So <laughs> it was kind of like anti that. It, it, it encouraged you to slow down. Um, New, New Horizons does that still. Um, yeah. which is cool because I kind of find myself coming back to it um, because you can't just play it in small bursts and that's it and nothing bad is going to happen. You can just kind of like check in on your island, go walk around, see what they're selling, log out, talk to the neighbors and you're fine, right? Or whatever. And, and that's a really unique space that Animal Crossing still occupies. I don't know what the next jump is because... I don't know if the internet can get any bigger, right? There's already Battle Royale <laughs> games that where you can play like Fortnite, hundreds of players, Tetris 99, you can play with a hundred other Tetris players, things like that, where it doesn't really feel scary anymore, kind of like the early internet did and Animal Crossing provides that. Um, but yeah, maybe Animal Crossing will just continue to be that escape of niceness uh, forever or moving forward, right? It, I think it's the most appropriate game to come out during uh, COVID-19 because it <sighs> allowed people to escape to a nicer place, right? Yeah, um, sure. Where you just could listen to music and sit by the beach in a hammock <laughs> or have like a bonfire going or whatever. And that's that's what Animal Crossing looks like in, in 2020, like it did in the year 2000. <laughs> it's just a nice escape to a slightly better place where the stakes are low and there's animals that say poop Smith because you told them to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, really I interesting. Should, definitely should have named my Island something better than Pandemania. Cause it definitely, <laughs> it did not uh, take me away from the, do you the world around us. Do you remember the name of your, uh, of your, village in animal crossing no i was trying to when i was going when i was watching like the beginning playthrough but i could not remember it at all i don't remember either i remember the name of my um new leaf uh town but i don't remember my original one i do remember because i've been using the same character name i don't use my name when i play animal crossing my character is always named horatio um, just because I think it's a funny name to say, especially in Spanish, Horacio. Uh, but it's just, I've always been Horatio. And uh, yeah, that, it's, I, I hope we can see. I've never played Pocket Camp, but maybe you I should. You should get it. It's pretty good. Yeah, I don't, I actually don't play any games on my phone, which is weird. Huh. Not one. Like uh, the last game I played, and it's not even like a conventional game, was HQ Trivia. Remember HQ Trivia? <laughs> Yeah. I don't I think they're still around, but HQ Trivia, that was probably what 3 years ago was yeah. the last game I actually had on my phone that I played consistently. Yeah, I'm looking at mine and I guess there's just not really a lot there too cuz I have like that Disneyland tap where I told you about Pocket Camp and Hearthstone. Oh, and I just my son's on a Pokemon Go kick, so I got that recently too. Um yeah, I think but yeah, I, there's like 3 games on my phone. I think HQ came after uh, Pokemon Go. I think. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, any closing thoughts on Animal Crossing, uh, Joe? 
No, not Animal Crossing, but I just think it's funny that we keep coming back to this concept of like this being the generation where video games kind of broadened its huge audience. And I don't know, it must have, I wonder if it's the ne- the generation after this where it just kind of like solidified all of them where you have like first person shoot, like where everybody's entrenched in what they play now. And I mean, there's crossover obviously, but it's just funny the way that this generation seemed to to do that. Yeah, you know, I think it's because at this point, gaming itself was still a niche that most people played most types of games that were out. Mm -hmm. But after this, gaming became so big that it could support different niches, right? Yeah. Where it's just like, there's people that only play first-person shooters, and there are so many first-person shooters out there that they can play them all and never need to play (laughs) any other game. Right. There are people that only play sim racing games and there's so many of such great quality that they can only play that and nothing else. But at this time, it's it's when the niche of gaming is ending. So a lot of people played Animal Crossing who wouldn't play it. And but also after this, there's people that only played Animal Crossing or people that only played first person shooters after Halo or people that only played open world games after Grand Theft Auto 3, right? But the mm-hmm. ones that were here before, we kind of played them all because we still kind of saw it as our duty or our role, <laughs> right? Especially if you pick the console on the console wars, it's just like, yeah. oh, I got to play all the GameCube games. What are you talking about? <laughs> These are video games. <laughs> like, no, video games are this. This yeah. is the first person shooter, like as someone who came to them being Halo or something like that. Yeah. No, yeah, that's that's definitely interesting. And uh, but yeah, we this is when that broadening happened and it got really big after this. <laughs> but all right, cool. Well, thanks for joining us and thanks for talking with me about Animal Crossing, uh, Joseph. Like we said, the basic game is still the same. So go get it on the Switch because it's still really fun and really relaxing and still a really good escape. So thank you guys and we'll talk next time. Relevant Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.